you have a Bible with you, open it up to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, we started off 2020 by making some declarations about what we're for as a church, to move the conversation from what we're against to let's have some dialogue about what we're for, right? So we started saying at the beginning of 2020, just like at the beginning of every year, at the beginning of every day, at the beginning of every moment, we want to be clear that we are for Jesus, that He is our everything. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. He's our light, our life, our hope, our rock, our refuge, our fortress. We are for Jesus, which moved us into our second declaration. We started Matthew 16, declaring for Jesus. Matthew 17, we talked about being a community that is for prayer, that we recognize as a people how desperately dependent upon God that we are for everything. So we are for Jesus and we are for prayer. And last week, we looked at 1 Timothy 6 and we talked about as a community, we want to be for generosity, that we recognize how generous God has been toward us in Jesus through the cross, through the Holy Spirit, through his scriptures, through his people. The abundant generosity of God has displayed to us that we want to be the kind of community that is rich in good deeds and generous and willing to share. And we talked about what it means to leave a legacy of generosity as a community. And then today we want to wrap up the series looking at Hebrews 10 at this declaration together. Here's what Hebrews 10 says. Verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on. Circle in your Bibles, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Verse 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So this declaration is that we are for, do you see that word in verse 25? We are for together, or as we like to say around here, more together every day. That we want to declare that though this Christian life, a relationship with Jesus is intensely personal, no doubt about it. There's no one who can live out your relationship with Christ but you. But hear this, though your relationship with Jesus is very personal, it was never intended to be private. I'm going to say that again, right? Though your relationship with Jesus is personal, only you can really walk it out personally with Jesus, but it was never intended to be private. In God's mind, this relationship, this spiritual life was always an us and we and together deal. As they like to say in Alcoholics Anonymous, the AA book says something like this. It says, you can get drunk alone, but you get sober together. In church languages, we're really skilled at sinning alone. Like, we don't need help to do that. We're good at it. We can do that all on our own, but you get healed and you get whole and you get healthy in community together. So we want to declare as a church family that this is an us, we, and together thing. That we are for an interconnectedness and an interdependence. And that you matter, your name, your story, your family, you're a person. 
with a real soul and a real life and a real history. And you matter to us as a community because this is what the church is. It's an us deal. So when we take moments like we had earlier where folks are standing, going through whatever it is they're going through, that that's us, that we share one another's burdens, right? That these folks are not in it alone and this is our community together. And that's what Hebrews 10 is driving at. Do you see that the declaration that it's making, that we are in this, we spur one another on in child development language, those of you who grew up and maybe an education degree or an early childhood degree, you did a lot of study in child development. And there's this thing they talk about in child development around the age of two or three, they call it parallel play. And that kids in a natural development around that toddler preschool age, they play in the same physical proximity together, but they're not really interacting with each other. They're not really sharing anything. They're not really coordinating anything, right? It's parallel play, right? So around that preschool age, around two or three, right? This is a very normal where they're just kind of the center of their own world. In parallel play, you don't share your toys. In parallel play, you really aren't concerned about the other person beside you and what they're dealing with. In parallel play, you're just kind of focused on yourself and focused on your deal and you're doing it your way. In parallel play, you do what you want, how you want, when you want. In parallel play. And if you're raising a two-year-old or three-year-old right now, you know all about this because their whole life is defined by parallel play. They're going to do what they want, how they want, when they want. Now they say in child development, there's a lot of factors that contribute to when they kind of graduate from parallel play. They say in a, in a healthy maturation around age five or six, the contributing factors are like the family environment, the culture, uh, the specific area of the world that you live in, all these things like contribute to like what is it that, that the transition stage is. So for example, in, in rural America, they say that it's very common because of the value on community life that the transition from parallel play out is around that age of five or six. But then when they've done studies about like parts of our country that are more like suburban North America, where it's a little bit more individualistic and a little bit more focused on competitive nature, I started thinking about, so like in Zionsville and in Carmel and those, I think like parallel play lasts until about retirement. <laughs> That's just my observation. So, but... The scriptures teach us the spiritual life is not a parallel play deal. It's not. And if we're trying to go about it, like you can be in the, if you know, like you can be in the spiritual life, like in the same physical proximity with a lot of other folks, but all alone. That's parallel play. And that's not how a thriving spiritual life is going to move forward. It's got to be an us. It's got to be a we. It's got to be it together. Though your relationship with Jesus is intensely personal, it was never intended to be private. And the New Testament word for describing this togetherness, this connectedness, this interdependence, is a Greek word called koinonia. Say it with me. Say koinonia. So that word koinonia, it literally means the old Bible term fellowship. If you're new to the church scene and you hear that word fellowship, you're like, what is that? It's this. It's what we're talking about. It's that there's this invitation into a kind of interconnectedness and a relationship with others 
that's what the New Testament describes happened when Jesus came on the scene and he called his disciples to himself. He didn't just like get them in a classroom and teach them a bunch of things and like have them regurgitate a bunch of information. That's not what he did. He actually called them to himself and he lived his life with them. There was a, a life on lifeness to this Jesus relationship. And then when he was crucified and resurrected and the book of Acts describes what happened is that it said in Acts chapter 2, there were people as they were coming to know Christ personally and they wanted to walk in the way of Jesus the way Jesus walked the way. That's what they were trying to do. They're trying to walk in the way of Jesus the way Jesus walked the way. And Acts chapter 2 says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, koinonia, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves to one another. So if you hang out around church circles, you should experience something of koinonia. Some of you have experienced it recently in your life when you've been going through a really difficult stretch and you received a personal note of encouragement from someone and you don't even know them. That's koinonia. Others of you have been on the receiving end of prayer from a whole bunch of people whom you've never met. That's koinonia. Or maybe you've had a cup of coffee conversation with a friend who had that courageous conversation with you, who loved you enough to step into some maybe sensitive topics out of love, care, and concern for you, just saying, hey, can we talk about some things? I know this might be difficult to talk about. That's koinonia. That someone's loving enough to like press into some topics that I'm not going to kind of leave that alone because it's important. That's koinonia. Or, or last night, we were all together in the student ministry where all the student ministry leaders were over at Jay and Shayla Kenworthy's house. And there was a whole pile of us there in their home, and we were eating food, and we were playing some games, and then Ian and Brad did a great job of just kind of sharing affirmation about the difference these adult leaders are making in the lives of students. What we were experiencing last night was koinonia. Like, that's what, that's what it means for koinonia. Like, that's what it is. And so we want to say, so I want to peel back a few layers today and say from Hebrews 10, what does it mean to be four together? Let's say it this way, four koinonia. What does that look like? And the first one comes from verse 24. Out of that phrase I had you circle, there's a, there's a spurring one another on in true koinonia that I put it this way in your notes. To be four koinonia is to develop relationships in my life that help me seek God. So here's the first kind of filter you use with, do I have true koinonia functioning in my life? Now, I know for most of us in the room, there's probably not a lack of relationship as a whole going on in your life. Some of you are so relationally exhausted, you don't even have any space to think about another relationship. The challenge is this. Sometimes you can be so relationally exhausted, but really not have any relationships that are what the Bible describes as koinonia that help you seek God. I mean, it's a wonderful thing that you're a part of different boards and groups and sports organizations or community events or PTO or whatever other relationships, your neighborhood associations. Those are all wonderful relationships to have. But where is the space of the relationships that help you seek God? That's the differentiating factor. And that's the priority. So I would call those spiritual friendships. You can have a pile of friendships. That's great. What are the spiritual friendships? Who are the people in your life who help you spur you on to love God? Who are those folks? That's koinonia. Or I call it like sacred companions is another phrase I use. That's that. 
that there are people in your life, when you spend time with them, there's this, um, there's this hunger, there's this desire, there's this moving you forward in your seeking out of Christ to walk the way of Jesus the way Jesus walked the way. That. Like, what are the relationships that help us do that? That spur us on towards that. That's the first element of koinonia. I like the quote I put in your notes. Here's how one writer, Rose Mary Doherty, put it this way. Unfortunately today, because there's so much isolation and loneliness, people often get confused about what they're looking for in community. Hear this now. They're unable to discriminate between companionship of interested people and the community of people who help them seek God. Do you see that? There's a confusion there. Spiritual community makes real our seeking and supports us in that seeking. That's it. That's the koinonia right there. So here's a picture from Wednesday night. This is what Wednesday night, the EHS class, there were like 30-some folks in the multi-purpose room downstairs around three sets of tables right there. That's koinonia. They're together. What was the centering reality? Of course, they were enjoying like connecting and getting to know one another. But in the EHS class, at the core of it is they're learning how to walk with God together. The presence of Christ is the centering reality of those tables and those communities. And as they're together over the next eight weeks, that's, that's the manifestation of koinonia out of there. So this week when we get together on Wednesday night, we're going to talk about know yourself that you may know God. That's it. And so the first question I want us to wrestle with is where are the relationships in your life that help you seek God? That's a really important question to answer. And if you don't have them, that's a window into the, okay, what's a priority in 2020 would be, I want to make a way. I'm going to carve out some space to forge those kinds of relationships. That's what the church is about. Like big picture as a church, what are we doing? That, that's what we're doing. Like we're into the spiritual development of people. Like, we want to see people connect with one another, of course, to build friendships and have great relationships and share memories. But at the heart of it is to seek Christ together. Like, he is the wisest and the best. Like, Jesus is the answer for all the questions that we're wrestling with. And we want to have the kind of community together where the centering reality of those relationships is the pursuit of Christ. To walk the way of Jesus the way Jesus walked the way. That's koinonia. And that's the first element from Hebrews 10, which says, hey, make sure you're spurring one another on to this, to that kind of relationship. Now look at verse 25, second element. Let's not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. My translation of that phrase is, the spiritual life is not parallel play. It's not a parallel play deal. Now I love it in the community when sometimes I'm out and around and some of the folks who are part of Eagle, I'll, I'll bump into them in Meyer or the restaurants and all that, and if they haven't been around for a while, I love it that I don't even get like a, hey, how are you doing out before there's this like, like this going on. Or like, like in the cereal aisle at Meyer, some of you have gone like, and I'm like, what? I mean, do I smell? Like, and the conversation usually starts with, oh, I know, like kids have been sick or traveling, vacations, work, whatever it is. I'm just like, it's like a little confessional there by the Captain Crunch. I don't I'm just trying to grab some Captain Crunch, but, but what is that? I mean, right, to, to be honest, right, we all recognize, right, that sometimes we just, what, verse 25, we just get out of the habit. Sometimes the sick kids turns into a work trip, turns into some other travel stuff, turns into a bad weather Sunday, or whatever, and all of a sudden you look up and go, man, I haven't been to church for like three months. 
there wasn't really an intentional decision that I'm really not gathering together with God's people. It's just I got out of the habit. That. And as a church, we want you to know that that really matters to us. Like, one of the things I try to do is I try to pay attention as best I can. Like, who's just not been around for a while? And so, whether it's me or one of the other staff or the elders, you might get a phone call or an email and just say, hey, is everything okay on your end? Miss seeing you? Just to know she haven't been around in a while? Like, that's because we care. Like, we're not trying to, like, super, we're not trying to, like, be stocky on you or anything. We just care. We want you to, I want you to notice, I notice your season ticket seat has been empty. Like, some of you ask me, like, how did you know that I wasn't here Sunday? Well, if Scott Gernotti's not here, Scott Gernotti occupies third row, third seat on the right, right there. <laughs> Am I right? That's Scott Gernotti's season ticket. And you're welcome to sit in his seat if you'd like, but he'll feel quite uncomfortable about moving to seat number four, probably, but... All right, if Tom Langebartles is missing, I know he's like, okay, 10 rows back on the aisle on the right. That's Tom Langebartles. So you didn't know all this stuff, did you? Like, I notice when you've been missing, and we care. And when we reach out, it's under this, hey, sometimes we just get out of the habit. And on more than one phone conversation on this topic, I've had this kind of dialogue occur. It's, oh, you know, it's just, you know it's, oh, I'm sorry, just been out of the habit and this and that. But then, then it moves to another category where others have said to me, you know what? I love Jesus and I love the church, but it's just people. I go, like all of us? Or <laughs> like, yeah, it's just like all of you, like me and everybody. Yeah, I just, they're just <laughs> difficult to be around. And like irritating and frustrating and like it doesn't bring out the best. Like sometimes when you just get around a mass of people, like, right, some of us are wired a little more extroverted or introverted in temperament, get it, right? Want to empathize with people's like, but in those dialogues, there's something below the surface there, right? When you say, like, you just want to remove yourself completely in your pursuit of Christ. Like you want to do it completely on your own. Remember, it's really not a parallel play deal, like the call to follow Jesus. If you're going to walk the way of Jesus the way Jesus walked the way, guess what? It's going to involve doing that with people. Now, it may not be piles and piles of people, but there's going to have to be some people in your life who are along the way to help you seek God, who are gathering together to be a spiritual community and support. Like it's going to be an us, we together thing. It, though our relationship with Jesus is intensely personal, it's never intended to be private. I like what Dallas Willard said on this point when they're asking Dallas about what do you, how do you talk about that stuff. And, and Dallas would say, well, Jesus asked us to like love our enemies. He would talk about that. He said, well, how are you going to live out like loving your enemies? He said, well, just go to church. And Dallas, I'm like, huh? Dallas said, well, you go to church and you'll find a few at church. And so just go. And like, just get immersed. Because we're all humans. And like, just go and you'll find a few at church and you'll learn how to love people that are maybe a little more difficult to love. Or I looked up this week, did you know there are 59 one another commands in the New Testament? Like love one another, serve one another, be devoted to one another, bear one another's burden. 59 one another's. And I thought to myself, well, Jesus and Paul and Peter and John and all the authors of the New Testament, they must have had this picture like, it's really difficult to live out the one another's if there's no another. Like, that's really hard to do. You can't carry those out in isolation. That's the point. 
Now, I want to empathize. Some of you have come from some really difficult experiences in church. I want to empathize with that, give you space to heal from that, give you the time. Absolutely, totally understand. Maybe you've been immersed in some of this koinonia, and the koinonia, just, oh, it just got to the point where you're like, you just want to be done with humanity. There's, below, after you kind of get through that phase of healing, no, a big part of your healing and restoration, do you realize a big part of that is koinonia? Do you know a big part of really being able to turn the corner on some of that stuff is the us, we, together part of this faith? Like, you can't do that in isolation. There's some of it you can do, but a good portion of it is you got to kind of stay at the table. you got to kind of stay in the trenches. So action item out of the second point would be, you know, like, one of the spiritual practices for 2020 for some of you is just keep coming back. Like, that would be huge for some of you. Like, if you just committed in 2020, like, Apart from you just being sick or just like, you just can't get here, you just say, you know what, I'm going to practice the spiritual, just like the discipline, the habit of just gathering together with God's people. I'm not going to get out of the habit of doing that in 2020. I'm just going to do it. That'd be huge. Just work that muscle. Now hear this. Every time you have a month where you've wandered away and got out of the habit and we have the Captain Crunch moment in the aisle at Meyer and all that, every time we have that, here's the muscle I want you to work. Just come back. That's the muscle you work. Like in prayer, when your mind wanders, do you know, you know the muscle you work when your mind wanders? You just bring it back. You just work that muscle. Or like those of you who run physical fitness, like I think of Chris Estridge and he runs his gym down on the west side, like the discipline of physically working out is the discipline of starting over thousands and thousands of times, right? Same thing with this. You just keep starting over. You just keep coming back. So if you get out of the habit, just come back. Work that muscle. Here's the dangerous ground. If you get out of the habit and you just push away that little pull of coming back, if you do that long enough, that's dangerous ground. That's what the Bible describes as complete isolation. And man, that's when these, there's a whole lot more going on than physical issues. The spiritual elements get going. And I mean, you just get, to, that can, we get really dark places. So the action item here with koinonia, to be for koinonia is to say, you know what? I'm not going to get out of the habit of gathering together with other believers. I'm just not going to do it. And if I have a rough stretch, I'm just going to come back. Guilt-free. Guilt-free. You don't have to have a confessional with me in the produce section at Meyer at all. Just come back. Just come back. And you step in like you haven't missed a beat. You just keep doing that. Now, mom, dad, I want you to think about for a moment, what are we going to pass on to the next generation in all of this? Ian and Brad are student ministry leaders and the other student ministry adults. This is a common conversation with those who graduate and go off to college and move into young adulthood. Now, here's the challenge, right? Mom and dad, we want our kids to be super devoted to this principle in their young adult life. But here's the challenge. What have we modeled and displayed all through their formative years? Now, I'm not trying to jump on you with this. I'm just trying to write, say, hey, look, if we have treated gathering together with God's people as like fourth or fifth on the list, it shouldn't shock us that our young adults are similarly going to carry that. And you can't be all over them to move it up to notch number one just because they're 21 and you're freaking out about their young adult decisions. And that's why it's so important, like with kids' ministry and student ministry and Sunday afternoons with students. Why is Sunday afternoon so important, high school students? This, that you're making it a priority, that it's not third on the list. 
that it's number one, no matter what the homework load is, no matter what kind of week you had, you say, you know what, Sunday afternoon, four to six, I'm there, I'm present. I'm not gonna stop gathering together with God's people. That's a muscle you work as a high school student. And parents, we prioritize that when the kids are young enough to like, they're kind of at the mercy of where we're driving them and where we're taking them. Well, you then, you're in charge then, right? You're getting folks together, you're getting them around, and the rhythm is this. We're just gonna stay at it. We're gonna keep gathering together because it's an us, we, together thing. Because we can get really skilled at sinning on our own, but you get healthy, you get whole, you get healed together. We are four together. We are four koinonia. We need each other to help us seek God to walk the way of Jesus the way Jesus walked the way. We need each other. And if we hit a tough stretch, you just work this muscle. Just come back. So one action item for those of you who are regulars around here, you know someone who used to be in a season ticket around you. This is your week. Send the text. Place the call. Send the email. Say, hey, miss seeing you. Everything okay? Anything I can do to help? Love to have you come back. Just come back. Quote me if you want. Pastor Eric says, guilt-free, come back. No confessional needed. Just come back. Can we do that? I think that would mean a lot. If it was me and I was missing for a certain number of weeks or months or whatever, and one of you were to read, that would mean a lot. We can do that for each other. Can we not? That's what it means to be koinonia. We care. We know you, we care, we recognize, we see you, you matter, and gathering matters. That's why we want to reach out and say, hey, come on back. All right, third element from verse 25, and then we'll be done. Verse 25 ends with this. Let us encourage one another. There's another one of those one another's. And all the more as you notice, circle this, as you see the day approaching. In your Bibles, do you notice how day is capitalized there? So this is the picture. So to be for koinonia is to be for relationships that help us seek God. To be for koinonia is to work the muscle of consistently gathering together. And to be for koinonia is this, is that we work our days, these days, this day, in light of that day, capital D. This is a reference to what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1. So after he'd been crucified and he resurrected, in Acts chapter 1, he, he was around for 40 days and kind of equipping his people. He was building his koinonia and commissioning them and giving them clear instructions. Hey, here are your purposes, here are your priorities. So he did that for like 40 days, got everybody settled down because the crucifixion was a big deal, a lot of traumatic stuff, kind of like PTSD moment for them. He needed like 40 days of like PTSD processing for all of his early followers there. He got them all settled down, full of the Holy Spirit. Then he ascends in Acts chapter one. As he's exiting, a voice from heaven, angel of the Lord says, in the same way you see him exit, he will return. Church, do you believe that? Jesus is going to come back. It could be today. Like he could come back today. It could be tomorrow. The Bible says you don't know what day it is, but it says this, be ready, be watchful. This is how, we're, this is how we prepare ourselves. We prepare ourselves for that day by working the muscles of koinonia in this day. It's a training for reigning. That's what this, these days are. We train right now for the day when we're going to reign and rule on that day, capital D, with Christ in heaven. Do you recognize that our current is not eternal? Like the current realities, hallelujah, some of you stood up with so many big things going on in your life or in your friends' or family's life. You, you, hallelujah, this declaration. Right? Jesus said the current is not the end of the story. It's not eternal. 
there's a day coming when the trumpets are going to blast and Christ is going to return and he's going to set all that's wrong in this dark and sorry world. He's going to set it right. No more evil, no more anger, no more injustice, no more pain and heartbreak, none of that. No more death. He's going to come back and set it all right. That's that day, capital D. Do you know what koinonia is? Koinonia is we get together and we remind ourselves. We practice life for that day. We work the muscles of current is not eternal. We live with one eye on our true home. If you're spending all your time and energy trying to make this your true home, that's going to be a challenge for you and Jesus. Jesus isn't going to let that happen. If you're trying to make this your home, good luck with that. He's going to blow the whistle consistently and everybody's going to jump out of the pool over and over and over again in your life. Why? Because it's about that day, not this day. This day is training for that day. And so that's why this subject is so important. That's why we can't do it on our own. That's why we work the muscles of gathering together, whether the sermon is good or not so good. Whether the music like, is what you like or the worship team plays all your favorite songs or doesn't play any of your favorite songs. Whether you bump into people that are friendly, warm, and welcoming or not so much. Whatever it is, we just keep working these muscles of what? Training for reigning. We work this gathering together to seek God. We work not getting out of the habit of kind of drifting and getting into isolation. Even when it's hard, we just stay. We just keep coming back and keep this is what happens because one day, one day, here's how Revelation 7 says. Look what's going to happen in 7. He says, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. So do you know about that day, like your true home? Do you know who's present in your true home in heaven? Yes, Jesus, of course. That's all. Like when I ask a question from the stage, if you just say Jesus, like good 90% of the time, you're going to be right. So <laughs> Jesus, yes, he will be there. But guess who else is going to be there? People. Wow, how about that? There's going to be some people in heaven. You're going to be like, whoa, you made it? Check that out. And they're going to say you, they're like, whoa, you made it? There's going to be some people you can't wait to sit down and finish the conversations that, don't you ever get tired in this life where some, everybody's just moving so fast and going so many different directions? Nobody seems to have time to kind of finish any kind of conversation of depth anymore. Do you realize in glory we won't have that issue? Won't that be wonderful? You can kind of finish those dialogues. And then some of you are like, yeah, but then there's some other people like, I don't want to have any of those dialogues. Guess what? They're all going to be there. That's what Revelation 7 says. People, a great multitude, check this out, look what it says. That no one can count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. That includes even your extended family. That means your in-laws. That means that difficult co-worker. That means that rough whatever in the church community. They're all going to be there. Wow. That's, that's our destiny. Do you see why now we've got to like train we got to train for when we're reigning and ruling with all of them and with Christ. Standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Oh, church, how about practicing for that day? That's what we do every seven days here. That's what the worship team gets here early on Sundays. Help, help us train. Help us work the muscles practicing for Revelation 7. That's what we're doing. And we do that together. And I write, we started a live stream for this purpose, that when there are those times when you physically can't be here, you can still stay interconnected with us. How? Technology. Let's use technology for those more glorious things. Huh? 
Let's do that. So use that. When you physically can't be here, still be here. Still practice. Still work with us in that. That's why this matters so much. Because we are deeply devoted and deeply committed to this. Following Jesus is intensely personal, but it was never intended to be private. This is not a parallel play deal. If you're post-preschool years, let's just declare war on parallel play right now. No more parallel play. It's okay for the two and three-year-olds. That's fine. But everybody else, come on. Let's move forward now. And so I leave you with three questions. Do I have the kind of relationships in my life that help me seek God? Who are they? Where are they? Have I gotten out of the habit of gathering together? And if I have, just come back. And am I working the muscles of training in this day, this life, for that day, capital D, that life? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and with this quote, I close. Bonhoeffer, I put this in your notes. The more and genuine and deeper our community becomes, the more will everything else between us recede. The more clearly and purely will Jesus Christ and his work become the one and only thing that is vital between us. We have one another only through Christ, but through Christ we do have one another holy and for all eternity. That's koinonia. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. This was your idea. You came up with koinonia. You're the one who told us if we're going to walk the way of Jesus, the way Jesus walked the way, you said this is what we got to do. We got to band together and get together and practice together arm in arm, week after week, day after day, we just stay at it. And so I pray for those right now who may be living in some places of isolation and aloneness, just struggling with loneliness. I pray that you would help us just move, just take a step towards community, just take a step towards koinonia this week. Whether that's just coming back on Sundays, let's get connected to a life group or a discipleship class, something, just say yes to koinonia. And then I pray for others in the room where the battle is this. You're just so relationally spent. You're so relationally overloaded. But the core of it is, where are those relationships that help you seek God? There needs to be some sifting there and some wisdom and priorities and wisdom and yeses and nos. And, and then would you just help us as a community, help us to be the kind of family together that when we get together and uh, we share cups of coffee together and we share stories together and we greet one another and and we get together here in the sanctuary or in children's ministry or student ministry that we do this, that we practice right now, training for reigning, Lord, that we'd work these muscles of declaring salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Lord, help us prepare. This current is not eternal. Help us to use these days right now to prepare for that day. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.